Welcome to the Audiobook Lovin' Podcast, discussing all things audiobooks with the authors that write the stories and the narrators that perform them. Brought to you by Viviana, Enchantress of Books. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Season 3, Episode 9 of the Audiobook Lovin' Podcast. My guest today is narrator Lacey Laurel. Welcome to the Audiobook Lovin' Podcast, Lacey. How are you doing today? Hi, I'm doing good. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. It's been, you've been on my wish list and, you know, it's been going on and you've been busy. So I'm I glad. Try. <laughs> <laughs> I try. I have my moments. I will admit I try though. Yeah. You being busy is a good thing. That means we get audiobooks. So that's fine. Yes. 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 So and that's the goal. So yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, how long you've been narrating and how you became a narrator? Okay, so I am essentially a stay-at-home mom. I'm a wife, a mother, I have five children, and that was my life because we had so many children and daycare is expensive. It was just easier for me to stay home and help take care of them. But as they got older, I needed to start looking at what am I going to do now? Because they're older, they're doing their own things, and I can get back and the workforce and, and find what it is that I want to do. And I happen to be just a really humongous audiobook fanatic. There's not a lot of time where I'm not around the house with earbuds in my ear listening to something. And I just, I love it. It makes it so much easier to devour books. And so it just kind of naturally melded that I would try it out and see how it went. And once I started narrating, I just loved it. And I never looked back. I've been doing it for seven years now. Wow. That's a long time. And at the same yeah. time. <laughs> it is. And then it isn't because I feel like it, it's not been that long, but I have to like, I don't know if it's, I, I call 2020 the, the leap year. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so I have to think, oh, it's 2020 minus. And I'm like, no, it's, we're two years after where time has kept going. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it, it's flown by, especially the last three years have gone really fast, mm-hmm. but um, it, it, it is a, a big chunk of time. It's been uh, a big chunk of my life. My youngest kids, they don't remember before I was narrator. They, they, and, and that's odd for me because my oldest son clearly remembers when all I did was him. <laughs> He's all, <laughs> you're busy all the time now. And I'm like, well, that, that's what happens. <laughs> um, but my youngest kids, they don't ever remember. I mean, they were two, a little bit younger than two. So for them, this is, it's always been mommy's work at home. Um, mommy reads books for a living be quiet so that mommy can get her work done. <laughs> They've <laughs> never really not had that. Um, and that's a huge, you know, for them to not have that experience at all, anything, you know, not know anything other than that. It shows me how long it's been and how much of my life I've given to it. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's seems like even more so because even the audiobooks have been around for like forever. It seems, I mean, I remember books on tape from years ago and even on, mm-hmm. you know, vinyl and stuff like that. It just seems like it's been very popular the past seven, five years, more or less, depending on when you want to start looking at it, you know? Yeah. Um, so you kind of like got into it right at the time where things are starting to hit it off. Yeah, I did. And it, it, and I think that's what made it easier for me, not coming from um, a performing background to be able to get in and work so much and so consistently. If I had have come in like, 
last year, the year before, it would be a little bit more difficult uh, being newer to performance, professionally performing. Um, so it's, for me, it was just, you know, I always say to my kids, if it's meant for you, it will be for you. And for me, it was just meant for me because I got in at the right time and it allowed me to grow and um, really hone my craft and get better and still be able to work um, and not have, I mean, the competition now, it's, it's a lot. There's some really amazing narrators that are starting to work in the industry. And it's because the industry has grown so much. There's just room for so many more people, but they don't take the road that I did and they can't because it's not the same. Um, I, I have narrator friends who came at it because their agent mentioned it and then, you know, they looked into it and started that way. Or, you know, um, there's a Penguin Random House is doing a really good job right now and branching out uh, diversely and bringing in performers, especially because people were at home. They weren't working. They weren't able to be on stage or on screen. And so they had more of an interest to kind of figure it out. And they really, Penguin has really, I think, um, kind of led the charge to go find more performers. And so they're coming in from it from a totally different angle, working um, with directors exclusively or for, for the main part, not working so much indie, but still being able to work a lot. Um, and it just wasn't that way for me. And I don't think now, not coming at it that way, I would have been able to go as far as I have. Um, I almost have 300 audiobooks, which is crazy to me that it has added up to be that much. But a lot of that was the stuff that I did in my early years and being able to really dive into the indie community and find work. Um, so yeah, no, it's <laughs> definitely grown and it's changed, but I love it. And I, I'm all for the changes. I'm all for more narrators coming in because as a listener, I love to listen to new voices and experience new performances. And so it really gives, I think it, it helps the industry. Mm -hmm. No, for sure. I think that while we have our favorites and for, from a listener and as well as authors, I'm one that will always say, change it up, <laughs> mm -hmm. get me mm -hmm. a new narrator, get, you know, whether it's a, a brand new one or someone that you've never used before, but has, you know, 700 books new to you is new to me. Kind of a thing. Yeah. Um, because I, I, again, we all have our favorites, but mm -hmm. it, it goes down to the, the difference in the characters and the characteristics and your voices as a tool can only do so much too. And yeah. being able to bring different voices in helps where, you know, you stay still fresh. I think it helps too. you know, some of the, um, most avid audiobook listeners and I'm one. So, and that's is why I say this we will listen to stuff and then I'll be like, did I, did I listen to that? Oh yeah. It's in my library. But I think having different voices helps you remember the stories in a way that you won't, if it's the, a performer that you've listened to time in time out. Cause a lot of times I start to remember stuff by the performer. Oh no. What, you know, this person did that. That's why I remember that because I liked it when they went to the scene and they did this with it or, you know, that type of a thing. Um, oftentimes, even as a performer, there's stuff that I, I was, I just finished this duet and I'm pulling, somebody asked me to pull quotes because they wanted to make a TikTok. And I was like, yeah, sure. What do you want? And I said, she, she told me what she wanted. And I said, okay, but you need to tell me specifically what chapter. Cause I have no idea where in the story it was. <laughs> and I remember thinking that's so bad. I just recorded that like a week and a half ago. 
But so then I'm like texting the author, what chapter did this happen? <laughs> and she's laughing because she's like, you, you just recorded that. And I'm like, yeah, it, it's, it's, I'm, I don't know if it's that because I'm not in the middle of it or it was, it was a duet and they're very long books. So I, it could be that, but you know, things start to, for me, meld together, especially when it's in the rear view. And I can just imagine that for listeners, it can be that way too. So I like it when new narrators or new to me narrators are brought on to things because it really gives a more nuanced, especially in series, it gives a more nuanced performance. And you can really, a lot of series are based on a group of friends or a group of individuals that are, you know, together. And you can really see them when you hear the different voices. So I like it and, and I'm all for it. Yeah. I know sometimes people will be like, oh, I, they changed the narrators in the middle of the series. And I'm like, dude, there are different couples. It's okay. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's something that, that has to be acknowledged. There's differences. If it's the same main character, that's one thing. But if it's different couples, it's okay. To me, it's yeah. okay. And as a, as a producer, that's one of the, you know, um, being trying to grow my business, not just the Lacey Laurel, but Tove Audiobooks, I'm starting to really want to reach out to different performers to have the work for my authors. And it's like, yeah, uh, you know, we could do this with this couple, this with that couple. It's, you know, I always ask, how does your series play out? Is it the same people or is it different couples that bring different dynamics? And having a different performer or different performers uh, really can bring that out. Oh yeah. I think it's, um, it's, it happens a lot more frequently, I, I believe. And I mean, it's, and nowadays people are doing like, you know, longer, you know, books or duet books where there's the same characters over two or three books, as far as the, mm-hmm. the arc of the story. Mm-hmm. But usually in, in you, um, in urban fantasy is what happens when it's the, the same, like main two people, the hero and the heroine, mm-hmm. and then goes across mm-hmm. several books, including book t- 20. Um, mm-hmm. And so that's okay. And I'm totally fine with it. And I advocate for, yes, keep the same narrators as long as you can for as much as you can. But again, back to different couples, when it comes down, you're down to book seven and it's the same narrator and you're going, who's talking? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Especially when those friends like you were saying from book three or four are also in that conversation because they're having dinner. And I'm like, I yeah. don't remember what, oh, goodness gracious. And yeah, so I'm, I'm glad that, you, that that's coming to be a bit more of acceptance. And also that, that from a production perspective, it's being considered and looked at. Yeah, it's definitely one of the first things that I talk to my authors about is... Um, one of the first questions now, are you looking to use Lacey or are you looking to make an audiobook with anybody? And then what does your series look like? And are you willing to consider, you know, this and that? It, it, I find it makes it more exciting for me um, because I'm getting to really place. It's like chess. You're placing pieces in certain areas for, you know, to, to get this I love product casting. to look yeah. a certain way. Yeah. Yeah. Casting is so much fun. Scheduling is not, but casting no, is. But amazing. casting is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> As a girl that has done both, I can tell you scheduling not so mm-hmm. good. <laughs> mm-hmm. But casting is yep. very fun. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Tell us a little bit more about your production company for those that don't know that you were producing. Okay. So I have um, Tove Audiobooks and I really, it started because I came up through, I, I call myself an ACX girl because that's where I started auditioning and getting the bulk of my work in the indie, in the indie world. A lot of authors go through ACX Mm -hmm. um, and that's growing now, but five, seven years ago, it was 
you know, ACX was the place to be, but the way that ACX is set up and it's still set up to this day, um, if you have a dual or yeah, dual POV, um, where it's different point of views that are telling a story, they don't set it up to where multiple people can accept one contract. So what they want is one person to get picked and they produce the audiobook. And it used to be seven years ago, you did guy voices. I mean, I still have a client today where I do the male chapters. Um, but as things have changed, dual, where it's a guy performing the male point of view, you know, chapters, a female performing, uh, performing the female point of view chapters, it becomes more of a production. There's a lot more things that have to be handled. And I started to have audiobooks to do those things because I was always taking point. I was always um, working with, okay, uh, give me your files. Let's get them proofed. Let's get them edited and mastered and make sure that they sound cohesive with my files. Um, and it just kind of naturally branched out like that. I call myself a boutique audiobook production company because I purposely keep it small and I don't go out and, and try to do a lot. Um, I'm dabbling into publishing, but it's really just, it's just me. I'm the only one that's doing everything. So I can only do so much. And I kind of like it that way as of right now. So I, it mainly told audiobooks is going to be almost all dual and duet narration stuff. It's going to be um, multiple performers. Occasionally I, I did a series, I produced a series for an author and it was uh, Sean Cresden was the narrator. Um, that's who she wanted to use. And it was just all male point of view. So I helped her and produced that. But usually it's going to be my dual. And I, I, I don't know if I've created a word or if somebody's created a word yet, but I, I've been known to do MFM where it's two males and a female. I mean, each have point of views throughout the whole story. I love doing those as well. And I think that's because I get to cast more than one person or, you know, it's getting different characters, their side of the story, their, their time in the spotlight. I love doing those until audiobooks does all of those, takes control of all of those for me. Fun. <laughs> it's a lot of work. <laughs> it, it can be, yeah. <laughs> it can be. Yeah. But I, you know, I'm lucky because I, I love what I do. So the time that I spend doing it is enjoyable. That I, I know tons of people who would prefer not to do what they do for a living. And as an adult, you don't really have a choice. So I feel very blessed that I, I found something that I can do from home, I can, you know, still take care of my family and be there when they need it, but then still get to have a career and be able to work and love it and not really be like, oh, I don't want to go to work today. I, I did that for years and I just, I never want to have to go back to that. So that's one of the things that drives me is to be able to create a product that I love and enjoy doing it. Mm -hmm. That is definitely something that I've tried to share with uh, the younger individuals as far as adulting goes is that if you can get mm -hmm. a job that you're that you love and that you're happy with and every day granted it doesn't matter you're gonna have moments and days where you want to throw something against the wall um there's good and bad with everything but it's different when you really have a passion for it versus a mundane day-to-day -day, you know pick up go yep. do this and stuff like that so it's definitely um it's just different it's a different vibe so that's awesome yeah. that you like it. It's, it's important. It helps with the quality of the product because you can tell somebody doesn't enjoy doing it, especially in voice acting. You can tell if they're not there and you want them to be doing it. You want them to have a zeal for it because it makes the story that much better. 
Yes. I know that sometimes the listeners have been, have said, oh yeah, it seems like he just phoned it in or there was mm-hmm. something there. And mm-hmm. I know sometimes it could be the quality of the audio. Sometimes I know that you were saying about your files, you know, syncing with the, the, the male narrators is because you guys are not using the same equipment. You guys are not using the same room. There's so many different varials, including software. And yep. a lot of the, the listeners think they know what's going on behind the scenes, but no, mm-hmm. no, you have no clue. <laughs> yeah. I mean, a lot of times you're not even working with someone who lives in the same state with you, yes. let alone on the same side of the country <laughs> or yeah. in the same country, you know? So, I mean, and that's one of the things that I do love about this industry is that anybody from anywhere can participate. It's not, you know, where, oh, you have to be in New York or you have to be in LA or Chicago to really do it, anybody can participate, um, but they do have to have the right equipment and uh, a good sound. And it's up to the producers to kind of make all that stuff mesh and work. Yeah. And a lot of it goes into also like, like you from, a you know, getting into it, it's learning what that stuff is. And if you're on your own, like you did, um, did you do how much research were you doing on your own versus getting help, especially back oh, then? I- Back then, and for me, it was a business decision too, because you know everything has a cost, and you have to send out your files, and that costs. You know, I mean, so I decided to put my time and money into learning how to do it, and learning from someone who was doing it at a high level, so that I could do the bulk of it. And so that's really what helped me be sustainable. I I, I believe, especially because. I didn't start working with publishers right away. It was like a three or four years before I really started working with publishers. So that makes a huge difference. There is that difference with narrators. If you work with publishers and other produce, production houses, or if you're working on your own, it, it, it's all what makes this not a mundane job, but it's also all what contributes to how successful some people are or how much they work and then how whether they can even work that much because some people are that are narrators they still have full-time jobs doing other things especially at the beginning of their careers and some people they just always do it as a second uh job i mean and we've got a lot of performers that work behind the screen that yeah it is technically their second job because they're an on-screen actor first and foremost so it all contributes to whether you learn how to do the stuff the, the engineering type stuff about it, or if you just kind of sit back and, and let someone else handle it. And I chose to learn because just of where I was in my life and what I wanted to accomplish. And, and two, just me, that's my personality. I like to take control of things. And <laughs> I wanted to know why, you know, I needed to have this sound this way or why I needed to have this dead space so that it came out that way. Why does my sample sound like this on audible? You know, all those things that my brain just starts pinging and wanting to find the answers to. Yeah. You're definitely a learner. That's for sure. Mm -hmm. But I, yeah, I I just think that there's just so much information out there and I know that you guys get the question all the time. How do I, how, how, you know, I've been told I have a good voice. How do I become a narrator? And I'm like, there's a lot Mm -hmm. more to it, but this is kind of how you start or this, or I send them over to, you know, the, um, narrators roadmap and a bunch of different websites and stuff like that. But that's one of the yeah. things I love about this community is that we help each other out. And, you know, I, I will always help out someone who is serious about it and who's willing to put in the work. There are a lot of people who want it to be easier than it is. And those are the people where I'm like, okay, well, I can give you the tools, but if you don't follow them, 
I'm not going to, you know, I can't bend over backwards and and make it happen for you. Absolutely. You you know, but this community is really amazing in that if you're willing to do the work, then they are willing to help you out and sometimes bend over backwards to make sure that you get the information that you need and you get to be where you need to be because they know that you're willing to do the work and that you take it seriously. And I think it's a part of wanting people to take you seriously and you feeding into that because there's a lot of people that I've encountered in my real life that they're just like, they kind of laugh it off. Oh, you're an audiobook narrator. And it's like, yeah, ha ha, that's funny to you. People I don't think know why. it's easy. <laughs> oh, it's because yeah. people think it's easy standing, you know, sitting down in front of a mic and having a conversation. And I'm like, dude, I had to record something the other day for a day job thing because I wasn't going to be, re- uh, you know, making re- repeat phone calls and it's a spiel I have to do. I'm like, hey, mm-hmm. I, 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 hello, why didn't I think of this before? I recorded the whole spiel. But oh my God, <laughs> how many yeah, times did I trip over a, a word? Yes. You know, it's just, you know, it, it's different. There's a lot more to it. And people don't realize that it's not only just what you're saying, but also the, you know, how you say it. And then of course, sitting down for X amount of hours in a small room. There's so many things, so many things. It's not mm-hmm. easy. So yeah, I always find it no. hilarious. You know, when people think it's easy, I'm like, no, dude, it's not. <laughs> yeah. Well, and then I have, and I can also, like, I have some friends that I've known them for 15 years and they were around when I first started. And so some of them will message me and they'll say, oh my gosh, you have this many books now? Because, you know, it's not, they don't listen to audiobooks as avidly as I ever did. So they'll just be thinking of me and then they kind of look because they know my pseudonym because Lacey is a pseudonym. And they'll look and they'll go, oh my gosh. And then they'll contact me, they'll text me and be like, wow, you have this many more books as the last time I looked. And they're not trying to be negative. They're like really just excited, happy yeah. for me and excited. But then you can clearly tell when people are just kind of brushing you off and you're like, okay, I don't really have to worry about you because you're not, it's not of importance, you know? Yeah. And, I, and I imagine, uh, well, not imagine. I know a lot of writers, especially in romance, but writers period in any genre, they get that. Oh yeah. Oh, you're a writer. You know, mm-hmm. so I think it's one of the things that this community kind of bonds over is that we have this profession that people don't really take serious, but that we know, especially in romance, it's a billion dollar industry. Like there, there is work to be had and it, it's amazing to be able to do it and make money doing something that you love. And I always, you know, I do something that I love and not everybody can say that. So I kind of take pride in that and enjoy that fact and kind of let it slide off my shoulder when they want to be nitpicky or be, you know, funny about it. Yeah, sometimes you gotta be like a duck and let it, you know, the water fall mm-hmm. off. But sometimes you just kind of yeah. want to turn around and say, "Shut the fuck up." <laughs> <laughs> it's a happy meeting with finding out how, what that looks like is always interesting. Um, yeah. Since you've been doing now this for seven years and are also seeing it from both a narrator and production and producer perspective, how has your prep routine changed from you know from getting cast? to, you know, getting the, the manuscript and, and going about that? How's that, has that process changed? You know, it's changed a lot over the years in some ways and in some ways it hasn't. So like I used to print the manuscripts and highlight all the different characters. And I could not at the time, if I would, if someone would have, you know, future me would have came and told me, you know, one day you're not going to have to do that. <laughs> I would have been like, whatever, <laughs> that's not possible. I mean, I literally would have, 400 pages of manuscripts in front of me and it you know logistically it's not the best way to go but also just time-wise like it, it 
the time that it takes to get through when you're physically turning pages, it's just a lot more. But I, that was just the way that I process. Now I, I work, I went from that to working with the iPad to working on my screen that I record on my uh, computer screen that I record with to not needing to highlight. I do always read the book ahead of time. And sometimes I'll read certain parts over a couple of times because I really want to understand what's going on in the scene. And if I find that I'm reading it and I'm not really understanding where everyone, just for instance, if it's got multiple characters and I don't even know where everyone's standing in relation to each other, I'll kind of keep reading it until I do because I feel like you can't really voice that and not know and expect other people to be able to pick it up by the story you're telling or the way that you're telling the story. I find that I, I work more on those things in prep than I do knowing every single line or, or remembering every way the story turns. I also find myself working really hard now more so on voices as far as distinction. And it doesn't have to be a different voice. It could be just the way that the speed or cadence of a character, not just the tone, that can make it sound, make them sound different and have a distinction compared to other people. Before, when I first started, my prep really was just about understanding the story and understanding and remembering these are all the things that happen. And now it's more diving into understanding the characters individually and why they may sound the way that they do and why they may react the way that they do. So it's definitely, my purpose definitely changed in that respect, but I still, you know, I still read everything through sometimes two times. It just depends on what the story is about. If there's an element of mystery or suspense to it, I will definitely read it a couple times because there's always something that you miss. Uh, just like in a movie, when you go back and you go, oh, I didn't see it. Look, he's over there doing that. Or, you know, I didn't see that, that thing that's right there. I try to want to notice those things as much as possible so that I can bring them out in my retelling. But yeah, I mean, it's changed, but then it's still, you know, I still prep. I still find that it's very important to prep because it really affects the way that what you're saying is taken. And that can affect the way that someone understands or enjoys the story. If you are telling a mystery very lighthearted and joke-like, and it's not supposed to be, chances are people are not going to enjoy your rendition of it. And then they may not understand that it's not the book, it's the narrator or vice versa. Sometimes it's not the narrator, it's the book, you know, it, that's why I think prep really helps because you can kind of meld everything together um, to make it an enjoyable experience. In talking about the characters and getting to know them, but also, you know, not getting too deep into the details as far as the story itself, but how do you go about selecting how they're going to sound? especially when there's so many different characters. So the first thing I do is kind of a very generic in my mind. Um, the heroine, unless the author has specifically told me, or I see it very clearly in the first chapter where it describes their voice, the heroine always sounds more like me as possible. That way, as they're reacting to things and things are happening, I don't have to stretch too far out of my comfortable voice vocal area to be able to give that side of the performance then I almost always start with like the best friend being very high pitch and bubbly mm -hmm. um, and I think that's just because in romance the best friends are either going to be really bubbly or very sarcastic and so I always start off with bubbly until I get those clues or cues that say oh no 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 she's this one has spice and I always do someone who's kind of sassy a, a little bit of a lower register and then it kind of just grows from there 
based on what happens to them in the story. Is it a deeper story, meaning am I dealing with someone who has trauma? Their friends have had some kind of trauma that happened during the story, that, those kind of things. And that's why reading the book ahead of time really helps because I start off in like a hot spot or sweet spot of knowing, okay, this person's going to be me. This person's going to be high pitch and bubbly. But as you read, you find out that there's a need to change. I had a book that I did where the best friend, I did the high bubbly, but then really when thinking about it at the end of the book, I was like, you know what? That's not her. And I went back and I changed it. I had to change all of her scenes. And I had read the book several times, but it just didn't click. And I actually was talking um, uh, Wesley, uh, Wesley Siobhan. She, she was um, helping me one day with this book. And she was just like, yeah, but doesn't she sound like a little bit more sarcastic or grounded than what the way you're playing her? And we kind of tried it out a couple of times. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, nope, that's right. You're it. That, you're, you're right. That's it. And so then I went back and redid all those. So I kind of tried to um, leave it open so that I can make those changes. But that's one of the reasons why prep for me is important because I don't want to stick with a a decision that is just not really going to work because you never know. I work a lot of romance and series pop up that never intend that are never intended. Um, You never know when that person has to come back, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, But I, for the main part, the heroine, just because I want to make it a comfortable recording experience for me, she's almost always my voice, my regular just, you know, I don't try to really change anything. I try to make her and me the same in that respect. Um, but everybody else, you know, and then even for like the, the males, um, the hero always has a certain, I, I think it's more smooth, but I don't know how other people take it. I try to make him as smooth and suave as possible, unless the, the book says he's not, you know, then I change it up. But the best friend for him is always kind of like a uh, 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 dumb jock, like I, it's just this what I equate with. Um, what's that one movie series? Oh, um, it'll come to me. It's a series I used to watch when I was a kid, and I should never have been watching it. Um, <laughs> but it, I had a lot of time by myself as a kid, and I would watch things on HBO that were just not age appropriate. But that it was just the way that the male friends were portrayed always this, you know bigger than life, strong job type. And I always give the guy the, the best friend for the males that voice until the story tells me otherwise. And then I kind of tweak it accordingly. But a, a lot of times a very, a, a good author will give me those clues and I don't have to make those choices. It'll just come, uh, especially on a story that's very nuanced or that has a lot going on. That's not just a simple rom-com or, you know, I enjoy those stories too, but I really enjoy stories where it's got a lot of depth. It's got a lot of twists and turns. There's more to it than what you, than the guy and the girl and their love story. There's other aspects to it that affect them as well as the other characters in the story as a whole. Mm -hmm. No, for sure. What about accents? Um, Because we love them as listeners. I'm sure you do as well. I know. As a listener, I love it. But as a performer. I think I have grown in that as a performer. And I, I, I specifically study so that it, it, it's, I, 
I never take on uh, an accent, even for a small side character that I don't go over with someone that who knows how to do that accent first. I had a series that um, with uh, Nana Malone and Karen Ryan, and I knew I had got that book like a year before. And so I started studying um, ahead of time because it, it you know, I, I, I don't want to be offensive. I don't want to make it a caricature of an accent. And that's where I struggle with it is that I don't want it to sound like a caricature. I don't want it to sound like a cartoon. And so I work at it to try to make it flush it out as much as I can. Um, as a listener, I love all the things about accents. <laughs> I love, um, I was watching somebody was doing a live reading and they were doing a Scottish accent and I was just enthralled. And like, even with like my movies that I watch, Braveheart. My husband loves watching Braveheart. And I'll sit there and I'm like, wow, he really did that for the whole movie. Oh my gosh. Like, and I try to break down what it is that he's doing to make um, the different sound, what, what it is he's doing to make him, you know, not sound as American as he is. <laughs> um, and even like, um, what's the new Spider-Man, Tom Harding? Yes. His name? I love his natural voice. It amazes me. And I feel like he has so much more personality as him than he ever does as Spider-Man. Because I feel like he's changing a lot of the way that he naturally would speak to, to sound like Spider-Man. And he does an amazing job out of it. But I'm more entranced when I hear him in videos or in interviews. It also really helps me because it gives me people to emulate when I come across things that I need to do. So, yeah, I definitely feel like if you are wanting to be a narrator or you're getting in accent, work on that. Yeah. Make that a priority because the work will come if you can do it well. And because there's tons of romances that are just from everywhere and they want their characters to sound like what they're supposed to sound like. It's no longer, I mean, when I started, you could do a whole novel based in London and not do one accent. And it was just fine. Uh, it really wasn't, but it was, you know, there was a limited pool that they were pulling from. And now it's like, no, they can go and get somebody from London who can do it very well. I'm in the beginning stages of casting for an author and it's a series and two of the men have a British accent. But huh. even the differences between them, one is more, I can't even tell you the right words. He, he's, he comes from royalty mm -hmm. and he's close to that world. So he has a very proper posh British posh sound. Yeah. Posh. He's very proper posh sound. The other character is very, not that totally opposite um, very highly educated, but he did not come from a posh area. So when she was describing like who she wanted to find, and I was like, oh, okay. So this is like the difference in someone who is a New Yorker, who maybe has a really heavy accent from one of the boroughs, but went to school and knows how to kind of squash it when they need to, but still can speak when they're at home, like they're at home. And then someone who grew up in one of the, you know, uh, went to boarding school his whole life and, and it has a very monotone neutral American sound so I was like putting it together like that in my head but trying to do it on British terms and it, it's important and it's important to her and we're able to do it now whereas before 
it just, it would have been, you get what you get. And she did. She recorded one where um, he, she recorded it. She had someone record it. And I guess his sample sounded really good, but he couldn't maintain it the whole book. Yes, because that's different. Yep. Mm -hmm. So she chose to squash it and just, you know, she just chose to, she paid him and then never put it out. And so now she's thinking about putting it out. And she was telling me, you're giving me so many choices that I just didn't have five years ago. Oh, yeah. And she was getting really excited about it because (laughs) just the fact that there are those choices. Mm -hmm. Um, And for me as a producer, Clubhouse was the thing that really allowed me to meet more people and get more options because a lot of people from the voiceover world are starting to get into narration um, and figure out if they want to do that or not. But it's people from all around the world. So you get all these different choices and it's like um, when I tell my son when we're cooking, we're making a salsa or, or, you know, what seasonings do you want to put in it? What vegetables, what kind of pepper do you want to get it into it? All of that affects the end product. And mm-hmm. so you can specialize and put all those things to give you what it is that you want, the flavor it is that you want for the end product. Mm-hmm. It's the same with casting now when it comes to accents. We have so much more leeway. Yeah. But, you know. Uh, starting from when I did and still wanting to actually narrate, it's just something that I have to work at to kind of keep up, but also to be as as authentic as possible, because that to me is important. I mean, I understand that a lot of times I'm not narrating a real life story, (laughs) but (laughs) these characters are real to people who devour these books. They're real to the author who have created these worlds. Um, and so I want to pay homage to that as much as possible. Mm-hmm. No, yeah. I mean, it's it's important to recognize because we also live in a world that's so global. It used to be that if you did mm-hmm. a Southern accent that and that book was set in Texas, maybe a handful of people outside of, of Texas would hear it and not know the difference of what, mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know, someone from North Carolina Southern accent sounds like versus Atlanta versus Texas. And even, you know, all the other, all the other uh, states that we have in between, and even within the states, there's just a lot of different nuances, especially, you know, and this is inclusive of the Spanish language and all the other ones that are out there. There's these, but people are listening to it. So there's going to be someone from that place that's from the book Mm -hmm. or closer by and be like, we don't sound like that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm like, yep, shit. (laughs) And, you know, I think too, it also, it, it also, helps me to really stress the performance side as well as the accents because there are books that I have that are my favorite and I will re-listen every year. Um, and they sound nothing like what they should, but the performance was so good True. that I felt what I needed to feel. They mm-hmm. were giving me the feelings that I needed to evoke for those scenes or that story that all is forgiven. You know, so it's something that I always work on and I really stress, but it's also, you know, you can have the accent, but you still have to have the performing chops because otherwise you're not going to be able to bring emotion out in the person who's listening. And in the sphere that I work in romance, that is very much so needed, whether it's a sweet romance or a spicy or taboo, you want to make people feel something. Um, and that comes with the performance. So but definitely an accent is something that will up that performance so much. Like I've not, I want to listen to the Outlander series. I've never done it. And a part of it is because it's so lengthy and chunky. I, um, 
I already know that it'll be something that I'll listen to some of it and then I'll kind of put it aside to listen to something else and come back. But the fandom is so huge and so specific to what it is that they like and don't like about the TV show and the audiobooks. So I get nervous wanting to dive into that, but I already know, um, I believe her name is Davina Porter. Yep. Everyone has, a lot of people have said that the performance is just on par. It doesn't matter about anything else. Just listen to what she's saying yeah. and how she's saying it. Um, not that I've heard anybody say anything about her accent or anything like that, but it's just, it's just an example to me of something that's so nuanced in one way, but it's really not, you really have to take the performance and go from there. Mm-hmm. Well, you want to make the listener feel, as you were saying before, and that's something too that uh, a friend of mine and I were talking about it at the very beginning, is even with some of the newer narrators, where we can forgive one or two little things here and there because they're still learning and growing. But if they make us feel mm-hmm. that whatever that scene is, we're like, you're forgiven. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah. I, I got you. I understood what you meant. Thank you. You know? Yes. Yeah. No, that's exactly. Yeah. Because and also when it comes to you know, as a woman doing a, a male voice, a male cadence, a male, you know, tone, um, and being able to consistently hold it there. That's something that separates to me being a narrator from being an amazing narrator. And there's some narrators like Erin uh, Mallon. Mm-hmm. She can, she can read the male point of view to me all day long. <laughs> I have no problems. Like, yes, she can do it so well. So I don't want to use the word perfect because it, no such thing. it is to me. Yeah. Yeah. But it, it, it's like, it is to me. And a, and a huge part of it too is her performance. It's yep. not just the cadence, but it's the melding of the two. Right. But there's a series that I listen to that's not her. And I won't say what it is. Cause I don't, I, cause I'm to me, I'm not, it's not offensive, but I don't, I don't know how the person will take it. So I don't want to be. <laughs> no, no, yeah, of course. There's times where listening it to it now, the 17th time I can hear her drop her male voice during a, a part where he's speaking, but it doesn't matter because she gives that performance in a way to where I'm like, yeah, that's, that's okay. I, I, I'm still going to be on that ride with you. And I'm, you're still taking me there. And I love everything about it. And it's a book that I've listened to minimal 17 times. I listen, we listen to it like two times a year. It's just one of my favorites from the story to the performer, just the whole thing wrapped up in one. Um, and whenever I Whenever I get in a rut, whenever I can't find something to listen to, or whenever I'm working on a project that is just consuming me, I pop it in because it's just like my comfort place. And I literally find myself going, yeah, I need to do things more like this. If I can do that, maybe that'll bring out that. Um, so I use them as, I, you know, now it's not just about enjoying listening to audiobooks, but it's also about, it's kind of like auditing a class that's helping me in my performance. So I always suggest to people who say they want to do, that's one of the things. If somebody says to me, oh, I want to be a narrator. How did you do that? I say, do you listen to audiobooks? And if they don't, I tell them immediately start. And it doesn't have to be romance. It can be in any genre, whatever genre it is that you feel that you could work in, that those stories are what you want to tell. Listen to those audiobooks consistently Mm -hmm. because that will help you so much more on understanding what it is that is expected of you and whether or not it's something that you can come close to getting. Yeah, no, it's, it's important, you know, from, from that. And I, and that's great advice. Uh, I think that a lot of times people don't do the listening and, and sometimes people might don't have to, I mean, they have different backgrounds, Mm -hmm. they have things, different things, they have different experiences, 
but I definitely something as, as far as to understand what the listener is going through, as far as on our yeah. end of what mm-hmm. that final product looks and sounds like. Mm-hmm. I think it's at least once everybody should listen to the audiobook if, as from a narrator's, you know, side of things to kind of get what yeah. we as and, listeners. And I've, I've done coaching with five or six different people and I don't think not one of them has ever not seen. They've all suggested at some point in the program, what audiobooks are you listening to right now? What audiobooks do you think you should be listening to right now? It, it's always, always, always. It's just one of those things. Um, yeah. I, even from like uh, coming from a on stage background, it's a big difference saying your lines and then saying all the lines mm-hmm. and being able to give, take the performance where it needs to go over five, six hours. Using um, your voice and not your physical yep. reactions. Yeah. So listening to somebody else do it and understanding, oh, okay, this is, you know, it, it's, to me, it's one of the uh, cheapest, uh, what do I, cheapest, um, not tutoring, but, you know, uh, Lessons, tutoring, yeah, teaching. Tutoring, yeah, yeah, that you can have as a narrator. Mm-hmm. And I, I do believe that all narrators should consistently work at their craft, not just the work that you do, but extra studying just like I tell my kids you know homework is one thing but you still have to put in study time outside of that mm-hmm. otherwise how do you expect to take on these lessons so that the next year when you've gone to a different course but you need to remember these things and use them you're not going to know it mm-hmm. so it's the same concept for me with narration yeah what um genre have you yet to narrate in that you'd like to I think I think I've done something in fantasy, but not a lot. And I would really love to do more in that. Um, I love a good world build and I love a good adventure. I think anything that I've done in fantasy has always been, you know, um, romance, fantasy, um, PNR. Mm-hmm. But to just do straight up, you know, uh, fantasy not necessarily have any aspect of romance in it but just that whole uh where you're telling the story of this world that this author created I would love to do that um I and the other one that I got to do I'm doing one now um and I never I took for granted how much fun it would be was I'm doing a um superhero mm. um and just the fight scenes and the equipment <laughs> and it's like wow I love this I love describing this story um the series that I'm doing is called The Wraith by Jeffrey Haskell and I'm recording it for Tantor and we're on book three and four now and just the whole concept and my kids are really big marvel kids mm-hmm. so lately especially with disney plus we're always in just something in like the superhero world and i'm starting to understand a lot of the world building that went into a lot of these individual stories and how they're bridging those gaps and so when i sat down to do the wraith again i was like oh this is so cool because this book she's um he is bringing other characters from his other books, his other superhero books into this one. And they come at it from a whole different, like they brought aliens from their story into this one. So it's just really cool for me. It's totally different than my normal day to day. 
And I, that's one of the things that I really enjoy about narrating is getting to tell the story that's something that I would never experience. And so that's why I think I like, you know, um, want to do like the fantasy um, because it would be just something so different than what I've done or what I live and getting to just drop myself into it. I, that, that's what I enjoy about what I do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely, you know, being just as for us listeners pretending to be someone else or we're, we're listening to mm-hmm. travel somewhere else you guys get a couple of moments there where you're the, you know the alien or you know the hero and all that fun superhero in your case so that's great i'll have to look that book up it sounds fun <laughs> the other thing that you've been doing a lot lately um has been tiktok you have been yeah. using the platform <laughs> well you've been using the platform for not only i'm sure a, a way to kind of day-to-day stuff like the rest of us do, but you've also been using it to promote the books that you're narrating and that you're working yeah. on. How did that come about? Well, so I have two teenagers and <laughs> my oldest son is not really, we were just talking about him last night with one of my closest friends. He's not really a people person. So he doesn't really buy into the whole social media mm-hmm. at all. Like he has an Instagram, but he doesn't post, he'll post a story because he says it'll disappear after a day. But he won't post anything that stays. But my 13-year-old, he is all about all the things social. And so I got into TikTok because I was trying to figure out what it was he was on. What is this that he's doing? Is this something that I really even want him a part of? And I found, especially in 2020, when it was like really blowing up, Mm -hmm. I found some really good content creators. And then... I stumbled on book talk and it just mm. changed everything for me. Um, the way that the authors, the authors, they, they use it to tell the stories of their books. And mm-hmm. there was a narrator that had made a post in a group that I'm in. And she was like, I get sucked in every time because I'm thinking they're telling their personal business. And I'm in my mind going, stop saying that. Don't tell people that. And then they, you know, put the book up <laughs> and it just draws you in. And so I was like, that's actually a fun way for marketing. It's a fun way to really talk about what it is you're working on. When I work on a book, you know, it's not just a one hour and I'm done type of a deal. It's sometimes it takes a week or longer that I'm in this world of this book. And it's just a fun outlet to kind of um, creatively talk about what it is that I'm doing. And I'm, I've been a musician since I was Mm-hmm. So getting to do anything, you said anything to music and it's always fun for me. And that's a huge thing on TikTok is the song that you use. And, Girl, um, and you're good at that. <laughs> oh yeah. I haven't done one of those in a while. And I need to, um, because it's just fun. I'm trying mm-hmm. to find ways, you know, um, it's hard because, you know, I do a lot of romance, so it's not really kid appropriate, but my son wants to really do more with me on TikTok. So I'm trying to figure out, okay, what can I do that I can do with him that, I still can, you know, talk about what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just, it's fun. It's, it's, um, it's relaxing mm-hmm. and it's something, you know, social media can be very uh, stressful at times, but mm-hmm. I find that TikTok is just fun. I, I treat it, you know, just as something, you know, haphazard to do and, um, but it also gets information out there. So that's always nice. Yeah, a lot of authors have been starting to utilize TikTok and same thing with some of the narrators. And that's why I wanted to talk about it a little bit, because mm-hmm. it's with like with any kind of platform, it's available. It's something that is free. It is using mm-hmm. up your time. So if you look at that, that's technically not free because your time is time valuable. Is <laughs> well, 
Yeah. But even then for those that don't see it that way, like I have a narrator friend that doesn't see it as, as a dollar sign, but as what he's doing and how he's investing that time on things, either when, when, whether it's learning something new, working on a separate project, working on an audio book, or even spending time with family and friends, that's time spent that, you know, that you're utilizing somewhere else. And so you have to make sure that it counts. But yes. no, I, and that's so true. It yeah. is so true. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things that a lot of people will tell you to be, because a huge part of TikTok to be successful is that you have people that are following you. Otherwise, you're creating this content and nobody's seeing it, right? Right. But one of the things that it was very clear from the beginning that I had to make the decision on was how serious I was going to be about getting that follow that that following. Mm-hmm. because they're like, you have to post two, three times a day and want, want, want. And all the time that it takes to create all those ideas and do all the things um, for a half a second, I started jumping on that. And then I was just like, you know, mm-hmm. I just can't, and I'm not going to, and I'm going to leave this as something fun because otherwise um, it's just not going to be the same for me. So I don't post as much as I used to. And I probably, and I know I don't post as much as I should to keep up with the algorithms, but I find that, you know, if I post something that's fun for me, to me, that's more authentic than anything else. Mm -hmm. Um, And I can always use it on Instagram or, you know, use it in one of my authors groups if I, you know, if I need to, or if they want to. Uh, So it's, I use it as an outlet. I try to. Um, but it is, I mean, there's authors that have hit number one in Kindle and it's because their TikTok following really gets the word out there about their work. And I find that so refreshing because people were really getting to a point where things were stagnant for them marketing wise. Yeah. And as a narrator, you think, oh, why is that important to you? you you're not the author. You're not really selling it. You're just, you know, <laughs> a lot of narrators just do it and then they get paid and they're done. Right. And that's fine. But I also think of it as if they're not getting reimbursed for what they're paying you for, they will not be making audio again. So anything that you can do to kind of help or just, you know, to open their eyes to things that they can do, um, that to me gives you more chances of being able to create more and more audiobooks. And to me, that's a part of the goal of what I do because, you know, audiobook making is not cheap. It's not inexpensive. I mean, I guess it can be, but it's usually it's not. So you want people to be able to step into it. It's an investment that they're making and you want them to enjoy the whole process. Mm -hmm. And if you can find something fun that you're doing on TikTok that you can bring their book into and they would enjoy, it just, it's a plus, you know, a plus, a win-win. Yeah. I think that's definitely like, you know, people always say about old school and stuff like that. I always call it like old guard, new guard when it comes down to the narrators. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it used to be old guard where you just recorded and you're done. You got paid, like you said, and you're done. But nowadays mm-hmm. for the narrators to be standing out as much for the, for the authors and to have to be able and willing to pay that or more, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, what else are you bringing to the table besides a smooth voice? And mm-hmm. part of that is you're following yep. on social media and how are you promoting that book? Because mm-hmm. I will definitely hire someone and cast someone that I that has a great voice and does a great performance. But then if, if I have to look at two of like that, I'm like, my next thing after all that is, what do they do for marketing? What's their reach? What mm-hmm. is their reach? Yeah. That is how I cast at the end. You know, mm-hmm. it's, 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 you know, it's a business and it, it's all a part of the business. Mm-hmm. I try and I, I think because right before COVID hit, it was just this 
I was in this rut as far as knowing what it is that I wanted to be able to give my clients and do as far as my reach and extending it, but enjoying that time Mm -hmm. that I was spending doing that. And TikTok was just one of those things that just made it fun for me. Mm-hmm. And it made it worthwhile. Like you were saying, you have a friend that it's not always just about money. Time is money. Um, but it's also, do you, are you enjoying the things that you're doing when you're mm-hmm. doing it? Yeah. Um, I think one of, I don't do new year's resolution so much because I'm really big on gradually making things a part of your routine and that those being the things that stay with you for years, rather than trying to make an immediate change and thinking you're realistically going to be able to hold it up. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that I'm consciously trying to make a part of my routine is to only do things that I enjoy. Um, whether it be the book that I take on or um, the activities that I have my kids in or the meals that I cook. I, I wanted it to be things that I enjoy because life is just, it's short and so much can happen to change things in the blink of an eye. If I can look back and figure out, I enjoyed the time that I spent doing this or that. To me, that's more meaningful. Um, and, you know, working, being a working mother, anything that I do that's away from my children, I really want to enjoy it. That's why I love what I do. And if I don't enjoy it, then I really don't want to be doing it. And I'm in a position where I can make that decision. And, and I do recognize that everybody else can do that. Um, and that it's a blessing, but it's something that I feel like I have to uphold. Mm-hmm. And then as people come into being narrators and they ask me, well, why would you do this? Or why do you do that? And I can explain that to them and hopefully they will have an easier time of it in the beginning than I did, because I can give them that, that thought like, Hey, you know, I understand you're trying to build, but also don't take on too many things that you don't enjoy because in the end, it just kind of crushes your creativity. Yep. Um, and that was a thing too. I did this program and I can't even think of the name of it, um, where it was essentially trying to have as a performer, you tap into the create your creative side and TikTok totally did that for me. It, and I remember when I started the program, it's like you do this reading and you do this journaling, um, the artist's way, I think it's the artist's way is what I think it's called. And I remember pushing against the idea of finding different things to be creative with. I was like, why do I need to do that? Why is that important? And in the end, it's important because it brings you a freshness to your performance. And that was when I discovered, oh, I could do this with TikTok. That's really me getting to play a little bit, but it's also getting me to play with the work that I'm doing. And it's a Mm win-win. But that's, yeah, it was, I remember pushing back so hard on that idea, but I was like, you know, if I'm, if I can find something that I'm actually enjoying to do, that's what my goal is. So why not do it? Yeah. So aside from doing TikToks, when, um, even though that's technically work, not so much work, you know, depending on the day when you're not working, (laughs) when you're not working, what do you like to do for fun? You know, I really, I, <laughs> <laughs> when you're not working, <laughs> it's, it's well, it's not even about it's just getting the kids now that the world is opening up, it's getting them to where they need to be. Like, before we I sat down to do this with you, my husband and I were planning Saturday because um, three of our kids are rugby, so it's like, okay, the match is this far away, it's from this time to this time, you know, trying to do all those things, and that takes up a lot of my time, but I have found 
um, lately that I really enjoy sitting there watching my kids play their sports. Like to me, that's a hobby. And I find ways to like, you know, I, I try not to be the team mom too much because it's, it's a bit, it's a bit much, but I, that is one of the, like, you know, during football season, I'm the, the snack bar person. And that is my hobby. Like I, and I find ways, well, what can we cook? What can we do that? And it really makes me feel like I'm doing something with my children because I do make them help. I don't just say, oh, I'm going to do this for you. I, like my son, I made him work it with me so that it was something that we did together. But I really did recently find an actual hobby that was just more about me. There's a store, I don't know if it's nationwide or not, but it's called Color Me Mine. And it's, well, I know they have other stores, other places where you're, you're painting clay, like clay pots or oh, yeah. uh, piggy banks or mm-hmm. whatever. Yep, yep. I did that with my daughter and I did, I ended up getting one for myself and it is the most cathartic thing to just sit there and plan out what I'm going to do, how I'm going to paint this. And <laughs> literally I'm usually very sensitive to sounds. And so like when we're doing stuff, my husband likes to have music playing because he always likes to have music going on. And I'm usually like, turn it down. I can't concentrate, but I can literally zone out with all the noise around me and just sit there for hours and paint. And prior to discovering this, I would have looked at you like you were crazy if you told me I would do anything with painting because (laughs) I'm not a very artistic person in that way. Mm -hmm. Drawing and painting. mm -mm. No, 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 (laughs) no. But I just love doing this. I kind of keep it simple. I just choose six or seven colors but I will spend time and get engrossed in it. And I, I'm kind of glad that I found that because it just gives me a minute to be in the same room with them, you know, not always away prepping something or, you know, diving into work, but I'm able to interact with them. And then I, you know, they always con me into letting them help. And I say that because they always, I mean, my kids are nine. They're not the most uh, strategic about their choices with painting, but <laughs> I'm trying to, you know, I, I, I told myself, this is a good way of me working to be more patient, let mm-hmm. them mess it up. <laughs> and then the time that they spent doing something, you know, with me is way more valuable than yeah, creating them. Yeah. Creating the memory of why, I mm-hmm. mean, trust me as, mm-hmm. as, as they get older and they look back on it now, I've looked into some of my stuff and my brother's stuff when we were their age that my mom mm-hmm. kept and I'm going, a, I can't believe you kept this. And B, <laughs> and B was like, I cannot believe that this is something that we did with our hands, whether it's one thing or another, um, or that we thought it was good. <laughs> yeah. But it's that remembrance of where were you? What was playing? You know, who was in the room with you? It's those things that yeah, count the who most. Yeah, who was around? So, yeah. What yeah. Were, you know, there's a lot of times where I'll remember lessons from school because I remember the project that we did along with it. And I think it's the same. I hope it's the same for them. And I, you know, my kids are at that age where they do a lot of art projects still in mm-hmm. school. So yeah. they will bring home some things and I'm like, oh, that's nice. And they're like, can we put this? No, nay, nay, that does not go anywhere on my wall. <laughs> but then <laughs> occasionally they'll bring some stuff and my husband and I are like blown away. You did like in sixth grade, they do at their school, they do um, Egyptian masks. Mm-hmm. every sixth grader does it. They, all the teachers come together. The parents have to pay like a fee for the, the materials and they do it. And when my oldest son did it, he is like me. We're like, we're not drawing anything. We're not coloring anything. We're not, it's not happening. 
but he brought that home. And I looked at him like, you did this. <laughs> and he was like, yeah, mom, it, it turned out good. And we still have it in our little cubby area to mm-hmm. this day. When my other son did it, we still have it for him. I, my, my daughter will be in sixth grade next year. So I'm like chomping at the bit, ready for her to get to do it. Yeah. Um, make sure that you like keep that. the stuff together. Otherwise, when they get older, they're like, why did she keep yours and not mine? Yeah. Why did she keep this one? <laughs> yep. Oh, we get that now already. They're already. <laughs> but, you know, it just, I, I found that even though it may not be something that I would think to do, but like just that whole process, mm-hmm. I have been enjoying it over the years via them. And so it isn't as surprising as I thought it would be that I would sit there and love to do the color of your mind. And I don't do it at the place. I do the take home kits. Mm. I like to bring it home. I don't, I'm not, I don't like to go out in public, <laughs> especially <laughs> now, Yeah. but I mean, I'll go and get in and pick up my paints and uh, have my own little membership. So they let me come in and out and do what, you know, grab what I need, but I'll sit there and do it for hours. And I will pop in an audio book and just really enjoy my night. Like that is Good. just it's yeah. my thing. It's a self-care. And I think that's the other thing too, that even if the kids want to help and it's great that you let them and things like that, sometimes you need that a little bit of alone time mm-hmm to just mommy this is mommy's project yes that's yeah. what I tell them <laughs> you know I'm like I'll get you one next time but this is for me mm-hmm. you know but I I I was surprised because I always people always ask well what do you do for a hobby and I'm like I watch my kids play sports <laughs> I take them you know here and there or I'll help organize you know the fundraising I really do enjoy that stuff um especially I'm lucky that we're we have a bunch of programs that my kids are involved in where the parents really do get together and fundraise a lot so that the kids get to do that much more without it being such a money suck from the parents and the family. So I always try to really give my time. For instance, my my 13-year-old is really, he's going to start traveling and, and competing again in karate. And it can be expensive, but we have a board. Um, we started a nonprofit and we fundraise heavily for these kids so that we can pay for them to go to the different places and do the different things and it not be a thing where the family just can't afford it. So they don't, you know, they don't participate. And I really enjoy brainstorming with the ladies and doing those things because we're not necessarily profiting from it. And my kids are getting something from it. So I, and other kids are getting something from it, but sometimes you do need something that's just about you. And no matter how much I try to tell my kids, don't just think about you. Sometimes you do, you have to have self-care. You have to have something that you're doing that you just really enjoy doing for yourself because it's like that, that breath of fresh air that you take that kind of refuels you. Yeah. It just re-energizes everything and it allows you to be able to be there for others if you take care of yourself first. And that's something too, that I think we need to start not calling it being selfish or, you know, think of others and stuff like that. I'm like, no, it's, it's okay to think about yourself. And what you want to do, but just how that, but it's how that looks and what that looks like. That's important. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's, you know, for me, I I don't want to show my kids that they're constantly being put it's, I don't want to show them that it's okay to put yourself in a position where you're only doing for others and nobody's ever thinking about you. Oh yeah. Because the reality is, is that you can't guarantee that anybody is ever going to think about what's best for you. So sometimes you have to be willing to step up. And if you don't take care of yourself, you'll never think to do that. There's that fine line of being taken advantage of and and really just giving of your time. So I try to be very cognizant of that because it's very easy for me to be like, oh, I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll help out. I'll do it. I'll do this. I'll do that. And then at the end of the year, I'm like, well, what did I do that I found that was that I wanted to do? And even with work and 
choosing the audiobooks that I narrate, I really am at a point where I am very conscious of, okay, do I even want to tell the story? And if, if I'm on the fence, why? You know, because that will help me decide whether or not I'm going to take on a story um, or take a job. And I'm lucky that I'm able to do that at this point, because at the beginning of my career, it was just like, just take whatever. And then there's some stories that I'm like, did I really want to spend my time saying that, you know, but now I'm able to just tell stories that I feel are important or fun or, you know, um, some level of my catnip, (laughs) something that I just really enjoy that nobody else would. And that's what makes me want to go to work every day is getting to work with those things. Mm-hmm. No, for sure. It's, it's important that if you're spending that time now and if you're able as part as, you know, same thing with me when I take on clients, now I get to be a bit pickier and see, okay, how much do we jive? Do we vibe? Before I was like, anybody? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's yeah. just like, as you continue to grow, those are the skill sets that you get to do now. And I think it's, and it's great. And thank you for teaching your, your children the importance of not always being a giver. Mm-hmm. Because yeah, being being taken advantage of all the time because you think the best of others that, that they'll take care of you in return. That's not unfortunately true. <laughs> yeah, it's not. And it, it, it's 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 yeah. one of those lessons that a lot of us learn by trial and error. Way. Yeah, the hard way. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm sure, you know, no matter how much I tell my kids, oh, they're yeah. not always going to listen. Absolutely. But not. you know, I, I do want them to have that light bulb moment and like yeah you know Mm -hmm. yeah and that's important um so thank you again for teaching your kids that um what is your favorite word perseverance Mm. what's your favorite curse Mm -hmm. sorry my favorite curse no your favorite curse word yeah my favorite curse word Mm -hmm. oh there are so many (laughs) the one that i say the most i have a journey now I do. When the kids were little, I tried really hard to, to rein it in because I didn't want to be that parent where, you know, the teacher's like, you know, your kids over here saying that because they say what they hear. But now that my kids are older and I've taught them the fine art of do as I say, not as I do, <laughs> <laughs> I kind of just let it fly. Um, I think it's fuck. And I use it a lot in so many different <laughs> contexts. But I think, yeah, fuck. That's, yep. that That's a common that one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And by the way, for such a foul potty mouth that you are, you have not cursed once this entire episode. <laughs> I'm trying. I'm trying. I think, it, yeah, it's one of those things. Like um, I was at my neighbor's house for Christmas. We had exchanged gifts because our kids are really close. And we had been drinking a little bit, having a good conversation. And the husband he was him and my husband were watching like a football recap on and he turns and he goes he, he my name is Tova so he goes Tova you're from the midwest and I'm like yeah how'd you what and he goes your accent is thick right now he goes when you get comfortable you just let it fly <laughs> and I thought I was like oh and I think it's the same thing with the cussing like it's just certain points where I'm just mm-hmm. like you yeah. know bleep this out bleep that out and I, yeah I have to watch it <laughs> I try to anyway <laughs> well you know again you know the comfort and authenticness and also how you use it I think that a lot of times especially nowadays people use it so haphazardly that it's it mm-hmm. loses its spark yes and what it's supposed to mean or how it's supposed to emphasize something 
where I think it's an art form and you, same thing with sarcasm. <laughs> it's an art form. Oh yeah. Sarcasm is yes. Mm-hmm. Well, now that my kids are old enough to tell the difference, I'm able to really use it more. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was that, there's that point where they don't know it. And so me being sarcastic is not helping the situation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. Mm-hmm. But no, yeah, it's, it's definitely um, an art form. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. And um, we have a, game that we play with our guests called two truths and a lie where you share three things about yourself and we have to guess which one's the lie and i like to say we because y'all are listening um are also playing along with me (laughs) so whenever you're ready tell us your three things and we'll try to figure out which one's the lie okay so um i worked at an inpatient psych hospital for five years I gave my husband to Kelly Rowland of Destiny's Child for a night. I have five children. Okay. So we have working in a psych ward, giving your husband away (laughs) to a singer (laughs) and the five kids. Now we know the five kids is true because you've mentioned that before. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now let's see. Hmm. How likely is it giving away the husband? (laughs) Depends on the day, right? (laughs) 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 I want to say that so the five kids is the truth the inpatient uh, working at a psych um, is uh, also a truth and then giving your husband away is a lie that is correct but I will say this it's a partial lie Oh, (laughs) because I tried to give them away She wasn't having it. We were at a um, Destiny's Child concert. This is mm-hmm. before we were married. We're at, that, that's one of my favorite groups. Mm-hmm. And we were at a concert in Reno. And there was a point where they asked for men to come up on the stage because there's a song. And they kind of essentially give what it's a lap dance. And so we were sitting like fifth row from the stage. So I jumped up and was raising my hand and pointing at him. And I swear, and he swears, she pointed at him to come up. So I was like, yes, go. You will never, ever have my permission to get a lap dance from anybody else. <laughs> but the guy that was right behind us, he oh. jumped over and ran up the stairs before my husband could believe. And we were like, oh, okay. I guess you wanted it that bad. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, you worked so for I it. I tried, but it didn't really work. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, it makes for a really good story. Yeah, yeah, no, it was an amazing night. It's a really fun story, and mm-hmm. it, it, yeah. <laughs> well, that was um, that was a good one. It was a fun one. Thank you. Um, before we go, can you tell us what you're currently working on and what's coming up next that you can share? Okay, so So I'm currently like right now recording the third book in the race series, the third and the fourth book in the race series by Jeffrey Haskell, the superhero. So it's a total step away from romance um, because this character, she's just badass. She um, is taken over by a supernatural entity, kind of like a vampire entity. So she has to, she's kind of immortal um, to a certain She's immortal until she gives this entity up. Um, and she has to kill people to maintain her power. Oh, wow. When she chooses to use it to kill people who have done bad, 
So she takes like cartels and, and people uh, right now, the, the main hook is closing down a um, sex trafficking ring. And so she's very specific about the people that she kills being really the worst of the worst in society. Um, but it powers her and it gives her all these superpowers to do all these cool things. Um, and then I'm also, I just wrapped up the Bittersweet Duet series by QB Taylor. Um, it's QB Tyler. Tyler, not Taylor. There's no A. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> That's one of the things about this business I read and the way that I say a word. Uh, it's not necessarily the way that it is. Um, and that series, oh my gosh, it's, it's a it's a chunky chunky it's like 22 hours of audio but it's such a good story she writes such a good love story it's a little bit taboo because you think that it's like a cheating book but it's so not um there's so much more to the story than you know the few boxes that you check off when you say oh does it have this this, and that um and the first book I narrate pretty much it's all on my own. And then the second book I get to work with Alexander Neal. And he is an amazing newer narrator that I love working with. I've done a couple of books with him. And he's just fun to work with because we get on um, FaceTime and kind of talk up things before we actually get started. We text to kind of just run things by each other consistently. And so it's refreshing getting to work with someone who is really interested in making the choices for the story with you and then carrying it through. Um, and then I think after the race, I'm gonna be jumping into, um, well, actually tomorrow I'm recording a duet narration by Kenya Wright, and I've done a couple of them. Um, they're called the Filthy Rich Alphas. They're all interracial romance, all very, um, they're romances, but they're erotica based. But the stories are all very spicy, but with a dose of reality and things that are real world issues that we have going on kind of thrown in there. So it just makes it a more interesting, well rounded story. And tomorrow I get to do one with uh, Liam DeCasio, and I've never got to work with him before. And it's in duet. So we're going to be on Zoom. Um, so it's, it's always fun. I've done one with Tim Page and one with, um, James Cassidy this way, and it just brings so much more out of my performance personally. So I'm like, super excited about it because oh, Liam's awesome. Him. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard that. So I'm really super excited to get to work with him. I think it'll be a lot of fun. Well, that's awesome stuff that you have come, um, down the pipeline and I'm sure other things will pop up you know, that have been sitting there on Amazon, or uh, in this case, Audible's table. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because, you know, things are like, hey, that wasn't there the last hour. <laughs> now it is. Okay, mm-hmm. great. <laughs> yeah, you never know when things are going to come and where they're, how they're, <laughs> you just don't know. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's, it's definitely been an interesting couple, you know, months when it comes down to that. And, but also with you guys, sometimes not being able to discuss certain projects until it's, you know, until something is announced or you don't know if it's yeah. going to pan out or not. Yeah. There's so many different things. Yeah. yeah. Especially because now we have like, so like, you know, on Instagram, you can do a live reading on TikTok and Facebook, but then it's like, can you, cause are we even supposed to be talking about doing this? And yeah. <laughs> it just makes it, it makes it interesting. So yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I really hope that they ask permission. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Yep. Yeah, because I'm all for asking for forgiveness, ex- you know, before permission. But in this case, I ask for permission first. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because nothing like messing up someone's marketing campaign for that. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And and it's very important with, you know, as we said, audio can be expensive. So I'm, I'm all about making sure that the way that they want to present it is the way that it gets done. Yeah. Because, um, I'm just all about helping out the authors that I work with and Mm -hmm. I like learning from them too and, and pulling bits of information that they're willing to give me, um, to use as I move forward. But, um, it's, I always, you know, I wonder, I don't know that I'll ever be able to sit down and actually write a full book, but that is something that I would love to do, not just because of writing and telling the story, but all the things that go into the book before, during, and after the release. I love being in this industry and a part of that. Yeah, it can be not some fun. A lot of things <laughs> go into it. Um, a lot of people don't understand how much work it goes into it, but it's uh, it's all fun, especially when you have the right team. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, thank you so much, Lacey, for taking the time to hang out with me today. It's been a sure pleasure. Oh, well, thank you for having me. Of course. And we're, if you're not following her on social media, I will be providing all the links for you and they will be posted in the episodes post over at Viviana Enchantress of Books. Until next time, happy listening. Thank you to all of our audiobook loving podcast Patreon. Special thanks to Nixley Zenner, Carol Liebner, Line Black Peterson, Brittany Robinette Leiter, Don Darch, Michelle Bastard, Nancy Billows, The audiobook loving podcast has special Patreon access levels. Join today to receive benefits including early access to episodes, shoutouts, special exclusive content, and much more. Support the podcast by becoming a Patreon at www.patreon.com forward slash audiobook loving. We thank you for your support. Thank you for joining us on the Audiobook Lovin' Podcast, hosted by Viviana Enchantress of Books. For links and more information discussed in today's episode, previous podcasts, or the Audiobook Lovin' series, please visit our website, vivianaenchantressofbooks.com. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave a positive review wherever you listen to our podcast. Until next time, happy listening.